Well, after 58 weeks, we launched live services last week. Can we give the Lord a round of applause? Woo! Live preaching, live music, live people. I love it. And so thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Pastor Pradeepin, one of the pastors here. And for those of you joining us online, thank you for joining us today. And I, I just felt like last week we resurrected as a church. And now I feel like we're in a moment in a season both personally and communally where it is time to rebuild. Is anybody here sensing that in your life? Like there are pieces around you falling apart and now it's time to rebuild. And I'm excited for us to go on this journey. In 2020, it felt like there's so much destruction around us. And then 2021 came and we're like, okay, it's time. Things are going to be normal. But then it was like the world said, no, it's 2021. We can legally get drunk now. And things got crazy again. Like anybody feel that? <laughs> and it's like, what in the world is going on? And it honestly reminds me of a book in the Old Testament in the Bible called Nehemiah. And this was an ordinary person, Nehemiah. He was a servant in the palace. He was actually what was called a cupbearer. Basically, he tasted all the alcohol and all the drinks for the king before the king would drink it so that if it was poison, Nehemiah would die and not the king. And so he wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't this super rich person. He wasn't even nobility, but he felt an urgency in this book of the Bible to rebuild something because his homeland, where the people of God were, Jerusalem, their gates were on fire, the city was in ruins, and he felt like somebody had to do something. So let's read this in Nehemiah chapter 2. It says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Are you sensing there's something in your life that needs to rebuild? Well, if so, you are in the right place today. You know, rebuilding takes a lot of work and effort. It's time-consuming. It can be a little bit annoying. You know, I love the Anthonys here at our church, Josiah and Chanel Anthony. How many of you guys love them? They're just amazing people in our community. Josiah's right there. Come on, somebody. And uh, they just got a house in Bellevue, and uh, it's a beautiful home. It has this gorgeous yard with huge trees all around it and they're really artistically kind of fancy people and so all the aesthetics and the furniture it's just mm, chef kiss to that and uh, uh, we actually have been meeting in our small group there hosting this community and a, a couple months ago there was a thunderstorm in Bellevue and uh, trees started to shake and the rain started to come down and there's a huge roar of thunderclaps everywhere. And uh, they were able to sleep that night. They didn't think anything was wrong. And then they woke up that morning and they found a surprise in their living room. Let me show you this picture. And a huge tree branch stabbed through their roof and invaded their home. And just for context, that tree branch is 12 feet long, which makes me wonder how tall Josiah is, because they look rough. He looks taller than that. <laughs> and it took them about two months to patch this tree branch. And I, I just want to praise the Lord right now that that didn't stab through their bedroom. 
into their bed and impale them or stab them or kill them. Because that is a huge tree branch that fell from really high in the sky, destroyed the roof. And so it took two months for them to cut the branch off, for them to bring people in to fix it. And there was a backlog because so many people in Bellevue experienced this after the windstorm. And, and to this day, Josiah told me that you can still see the scars of the patchwork on their ceiling if you still look at it. You know, when there's destruction, it is annoying, it's costly, it's time-consuming to rebuild. And in this season, a pandemic season, the season of your life, I feel like you have experienced destruction. I feel like life has stabbed through the roof of your existence and has caused destruction and pain. And you're like, how am I even alive you're like, where do I even start to rebuild? What do I do in this season? You know, as we've considered what's been happening in our nation, we've seen issues of despair, depression. They've been rising. Alcohol purchases have risen by over 100% in America. People are relapsing into addictions that they thought they had overcome. Divorces are on the rise. Kids feel like they're losing their childhood because they can't have the same experiences that we've all had. You know, I just read that over 40,000 kids have lost a parent due to COVID-19 in these last couple of years. And there is destruction that has stabbed through the roof of our lives. And many of us are like, what do we do? How do we handle this? And we're sensing it's a time to rebuild. Maybe you feel the pressure on your relationships and your marriages. Maybe you're like, I just started to create friendships and now this quarantine has isolated me and now I'm starting from scratch again. I just moved here to Seattle and it's, I heard it's hard enough to make friends here and now people are afraid to meet. How do I rebuild? How do I start a life? How do I start over? And so I want to look a little bit more deeply into the story of Nehemiah and, and consider how did he rebuild the ruined gates and walls of Jerusalem when he faced destruction. And so I want to share three points today on how Nehemiah started rebuilding. And the first thing I want to share is he sat down and wept. You know, when facing difficult times, we need to acknowledge our pain and our reality, not just in our head but in our emotions as well. In chapter 1, verse 3, it says, They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. The walls are broken. The gates are on fire. The people are living in disgrace. What does Nehemiah do? He sits down and weeps. He takes a moment to acknowledge things are not okay. This doesn't feel good. It's not just a cerebral pain. Intellectually, I know things are wrong. He takes a moment to get in touch with his emotions and weep and acknowledge the pain. When was the last time you allowed yourself to acknowledge the pain that you're facing? Do you just explain it away? Do you bury it? Do you just say, oh, there's so many people that have it much worse than me? 
Who am I to be emotional? Who am I to cry about this? Do you get caught up in distractions where you're like, if I just stay busy, I don't have to face the reality of the turmoil in my soul, numbing ourselves with addictions, relapsing into these habits so we don't have to come face to face with the turmoil in our soul. You know, I was in Sri Lanka a number of years ago. I was riding on this bus. I felt this stinging pain in my right foot. And I thought, ah, I must have walked a lot today. Maybe there's a rock in there or something. But this pain is stinging, but I will just set it aside. I'll ignore it. I kept on riding on this bus, and the pain grew and grew and grew, and it started to throb a little bit. And after hours of ignoring this and putting it off, I just said, you know what, I got I to gotta see what is happening in my shoe. So I took my shoe off in the bus. Sorry, everybody. And I saw a big, fat leech strengthening on my blood, growing and swelling and evolving on my foot. And immediately I saw this and I started to freak out. <laughs> so on the bus, I, just, I, don't, I know people say you're supposed to like burn it off with a match or use some salt. No, I took both of my hands and I grabbed it. And I tore it off. And I threw it at the front of the bus. You know, sometimes in our life, we have this pain that we just ignore and hide, and it's just growing and growing and growing. But the healing doesn't start until we start peeling. Can I get a good amen? The healing comes after the peeling. What you don't reveal won't heal. And so I took that leech off, and I threw it at some poor Sri Lankan who probably has that leech on them to this day. And I'm just so sorry about that. But emotionally, many of us are doing that. We're just ignoring it as it grows and it gets like a hard heart and it just consumes us. But you know what? You cannot rebuild what you don't acknowledge is broken. You have to acknowledge that there are broken pieces in your heart and your life. You know, in, in the book, Good to Great, Jim Collins writes about this interview where he met someone who was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. And had been in prison for eight years. And he interviews this man. His name is Jim Stockdale. And Stockdale, and he says, hey, when you were in there, there are some people that survived. And some people who just gave up on life and they did not survive. Who are the people that did not make it out? And this, this man who had been a prisoner of war, and he said, that's easy. The people who didn't make it out of the prison, it was the optimists. The people that said, hey, we will be out of this prison by Christmas. And then Christmas would come and go, and they would still be in the prison. And then they would say, hey, guys, let's, th let's think positively, okay? We're going to be out by Easter. Then Easter would come and go, and they would still be in prison. He said, those people who were filled with this optimism, they didn't make it. It was us who came face to face with the brutal, harsh reality that we're probably not going to get out by Christmas. And he says, you have to pay attention because you have to have faith that eventually you will get out. That is so critical for enduring in this season. But you can't have this blind optimism that we're going to get out by Christmas. He says it like this. I love this quote. This is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end 
which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Yes, we as people of faith, as people of God, we believe that things will get better, amen? We have hope in eternity. We have hope in the resurrection. We believe that things will get better. But what is the reality of your marriage right now? What is the reality of your addictions right now? What is the reality of your finances right now? What is the reality of your health right now? What is the reality of your soul right now? What is the reality of your friendships right now? What is the reality of your mental health right now? Yes, we are people of faith. Yes, we believe there's power in the gospel, but we must confront the brutal reality of right now. And this is what Nehemiah does. The gates are on fire. The city is in disgrace. He doesn't deny it. Denial is not faith. We hold faith in one hand and hope in the other. And when we rebuild, we need to take time to sit down and weep. But also, let's look a little bit closer in what Nehemiah does next. The second thing he does is this. He kneeled down and prayed. In Nehemiah 1, it says, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. In the book of Nehemiah, there are about 12 prayers that are written down. Imagine how many more times he was praying that weren't written down in this book. I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle says. He says, if something's big enough to cry about, it's big enough to pray about. Amen. And we are not able to solve all of our problems by ourselves. We are not people who rely on the own resources of our strength, determination, and will. We need God, amen? We need Jesus. We need the resurrection power of the gospel desperately. We cannot handle the pain ourselves. And the good news is this. Jesus meets us where we are, not where we should be. Let me say that again. Jesus meets us where we are and not where we should be. And we can pray things like the psalmist prays in Psalm 119. Everything's falling apart on me, God. Put me together again with your word. And so we need to not acknowledge only our reality, but we need to acknowledge that God is capable of helping us. And in those times when we connect with God, we also acknowledge that we aren't just victims. We have had a part in creating the situations we're facing. I love that Nehemiah, he repents for his own sins, he repents for the sins of his family, and he repents for the sins of the nation. Repentance basically means, hey, I acknowledge that I have made mistakes, I have treated you wrong, Lord, I have not been perfect, I have missed the mark, I have sinned, and now I am so convicted that I want to change my mind and my ways so that I am aligned with what you want to happen. And so he repents Three times in this one prayer. I think some of us have a hard time acknowledging 
the part we have to play in the tragedy and the situations we face. And I'm not saying many of us haven't gone through legitimate pain. I'm not saying some of us haven't been victimized. But I am saying we always have a part to play when it comes to saying, God, I repent for what I contributed to. I have hurt people around me. I have betrayed people around me. I have not treated my brothers and sisters as I should have. Lord, I have not honored you with all my heart, my mind, and my soul. And so I acknowledge the wickedness of my, my ways, and I repent. You know, I love this quote by John Ortberg. He says, it is better to be an honest mess before God than a dishonest saint. And so Nehemiah, he confesses the harsh reality of his part to play. Do you have a hard time acknowledging the role you've played in the tragedy and disaster you're facing? You know, uh, you know this idea of repentance, sometimes people say, like, hey, you just need to be more gentle. You know, in church, we need to talk less about repentance. I actually saw this, this meme the other day. It's, it's woke Jesus. I don't preach about repentance because I don't want people to think I'm negative. Right? <laughs> And, uh, you know, we need to talk about repentance because we are not perfect, amen? <laughs> and we acknowledge, God, you have a standard. You have a way that's higher than our ways. And, Lord, we don't want you to convert. We don't want you to change because of our prayers. Our prayers are not a time to manipulate you into doing what we think you ought to do. Our prayer is a time where we say, Lord, let your will be done. Lord, change me, form me, create in me a clean heart, Lord. Let me conform to your image. That is what prayer is all about. You know, in my, my marriage with Pastor Amritha here, you know, you can imagine we're, we're pretty feisty at times. And when one of us makes a mistake, I know we're pastors, but we like to get our pastor voice on with each other. You need to repent. And when we get in a little tiffs or arguments or skirmishes, we don't very easily want to apologize to each other. Any, any people like that in the house of God? <laughs> we want to argue our way into saying, hey, this is why I'm right and this is why you are wrong. And then sometimes one of us will just say, you need to apologize. Can you just take ownership? And, and so we'll say things like, all right, I'm sorry if you felt like you got hurt. <laughs> It's like not a real apology or, I, I'm sorry if I did something wrong. I'm sorry you heard it that way. I'm sorry your immaturity is meeting my weakness. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry you took it that way. I'm sorry you're a pathetic loser. <laughs> no. Anybody do those kind of half apologies? <laughs> As if we're tricky enough. Ah, oh, got away with that one. <laughs> you know, in, in any marriage, we need to be people of forgiveness and repentance. If we're both unwilling to say, hey, I was wrong, that marriage is going to face a lot of hard times. You're not going to make much progress. But how amazing is it in a relationship when you're quick to apologize? You're quick to say, hey, I, I know you did the majority of the wrong here, but I did this. And I take ownership of it, Amritha. I mean, whoever you're talking to. <laughs> it makes it so much better. And so in our season of destruction, I pray, Lord, would you reveal to us, what have I done? 
Where have I missed the mark? Lord, how can I repent? How can I change my will, my ways? How can I align with what you want? Because, Lord, I am so sorry. I love this quote by one of the early church thinkers, St. Augustine. He says, no one can begin a new life unless repenting of the old. Amen. So Nehemiah, he didn't just cry and pray all day. Number three, he stood up and worked. Nehemiah said, I'm with the king. I'm in the palace. I get to eat all these fancy meals, but I cannot just rest in my position of privilege. I need to do something. The gates are on fire. The city is ruined. The people are in disgrace. Somebody has to do something, and it might as well be me. It might as well be me. In Nehemiah 2, 4, it says, The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. He prays, and then he says, Let me get to work. And I think some of us, we just think we can think about it all the time. We just cry about it all the time. We just pray about it. But at some point, we have to stand up and get to work. As we're facing destruction in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our communities, in our nations, we can't just complain about it in our prayer life. We can't just complain about it on social media. We can't just bash the leadership in their lives. At some point, we have to stand up and get to work. And there are things in our hearts that break our hearts. There are burdens we are carrying. And it's time to say, I'm going to stand up to this injustice. There are issues of racism and pain. There are people giving into issues of despair. Kids are losing their childhoods. And somebody has to stand up to this, and it might as well be me. For all the anger I've expressed, for all the things that I've internalized, for all the times I thought someone could do this better, someone has to stand up to it, and it might as well be me. And I see that all over the book of Nehemiah. He didn't have a plan. He didn't have resources. He hadn't had experience in this. But when the king saw that his face was sad, he said, King, if it pleases you, send me to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Send me to repair the gates. Send me to lift people out of disgrace. It says in the scripture that he was afraid when the king talked to him. Sometimes we just got to rebuild afraid. Sometimes we just got to try and do it afraid. You know, this past season as a pandemic church has been so impacting on me. You know, we didn't know, honestly, what was going to happen to us as a church. We felt this calling to start a beautiful church in a beautiful place three years ago. And as we faced the pandemic and we had so many conversations, as we didn't know where all of our community and our spiritual family was because we couldn't connect the same digitally as we had in person, it just felt like things were falling apart. It just felt like our people were crumbling and there wasn't much we could do, even though our, our heart was breaking. 
for people who needed prayer and love and help. And we're like, Lord, what do we do? And as we're navigating this just new season, we're like, Lord, this, this is falling apart. You know, we had conversation after conversation, people saying, hey, we, we have to leave the church because you, you wear masks. And we, we believe that you have given in to the God of this age and you're false pastors. We had people talk to us about that. I got two Facebook comments last night, just people saying, you're, you're cowards and you are serving the God of this age because you wear masks. Then on the other hand, we're having conversations with people saying, how dare you meet at all in person? You don't care about your neighbors. You don't, you don't love anybody. You guys aren't true pastors. People said, you know what? I, I can't believe you're talking about racism in church. Just talk about gospel issues. Just talk about Jesus. And then other people said, you're not talking about racism enough. And so we have to leave the church. And we're like, Lord, no matter what decision we're making, it just feels like the gates are on fire. The calling that you've put on our lives, the, the walls are just falling apart. And it's not just for our own ego trip. We don't want these walls to fall apart because we're trying to create a safe place for people in our region to experience the beauty of Jesus. Because there's so many people who have no hope, who are giving in to despair. And if we don't preach the gospel, if we don't share the love of Jesus, Lord, who's going to? We want to do something and it might as well be us. And so Lord, would you use us to help place people into spiritual family? Would you help us to help people find freedom to know you, God, and to, to make a difference? That, that is our heart, Lord. We're not here to just gather a crowd. We aren't just a social club. We're not just a cruise ship. Lord, we want to be a hospital where people can find healing. But how can we bring healing when the walls are falling apart? But Lord, would you, would you use us? You know, last week we had this Easter service. It was our first live service in 58 weeks. I'm just so moved because so many people at Kalos Church said, you know what? I wanna bless this region with the gospel. Pastors Pradeepan and Amrita, can we help? We'd like to sign up and serve. We wanna join the dream team. If you need us to move chairs, if you need us to set up lights, if you need us to work with the kids, if you need anything, use us and, and last week we pulled off a live service for the first time and over 414 people showed up and we had over 40 volunteers sign up to serve with us and come on let's give the lord a round of applause we saw 36 people raise their hands and say i want to surrender my life to jesus he is my hope he is my passion I want him to be the anchor of my soul. And it just moves my heart. And all the work, all the tears to see those people fall in love with Jesus. I want to let you know it was worth it. All the heartache, all the tears, all the pain, all the effort for all of us have put our time, talent, and treasure into this moment to reach the gospel. It's worth it because we aren't just resurrected. We are rebuilding. And I don't feel like God is done with Kalos Church yet. And there are people who need a spiritual family to bring them the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. And I feel like God is doing that in this community. Amen. And if it's not us, then who, Lord? 
So it might as well be us. But even beyond us as a church community, I feel like we're in a critical moment right now where something's breaking your heart. Maybe it's something in your personal life. Maybe it's something in society. Maybe it's as you're hearing about issues of addiction or sex trafficking or financial injustice. Something's breaking your heart over the issues of racism in our nation. And you're, you're saying somebody's got to do something. Might as well be. I feel like the Holy Spirit might even in this moment be speaking to you and convicting you and putting a divine anger, a divine emotion in your soul to rebuild. Maybe in this moment, you're, you're just thinking, man, my marriage is so destroyed. We're just coexisting. We've been fighting. This quarantine has taken a toll. My family isn't where it should be. It's been destroyed. It's just broken down. My finances, my career, my purpose, my friendship is just tattered. My prayer life, my addictions, the thing that I thought I was done with, it creeped back in my life. It's just on fire. It's in disgrace. But it is time to not just cry and pray about it. It is time to stand up. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer but right now, would you just bow your head right now and allow your heart to be open to what the Spirit of God would speak to you? What is it the Lord is wanting to rebuild in your life? What is it that the Lord is wanting to rebuild through you? I believe he wants to speak to you. In your own heart and spirit, would you just say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. What is it you want to rebuild? If you feel like you have a word, something that you need to rebuild, whether you heard it from the Lord or just you feel a, a stirring in your soul and your spirit, a fire in your belly. If you feel like it's time for you to not just cry and pray about it, to stand up and rebuild something. Would you at this moment just stand up to your feet and I'm gonna pray for you. I'm not expecting everybody to, but I think this is a moment that creates a a need for a physical response. If you're sensing there's something in your life you need to rebuild, something in society you feel like is stirring, would you just stand up to your feet and you say, I am going to stand up. I am not just gonna sit by, I'm not just gonna complain, I'm not just gonna live in disgrace anymore, I'm not gonna let this destruction rule over me. Right now, it's time for you to stand up. And so, Lord, I just pray for all of us who are in the season of rebuilding right now. I just pray a special blessing, a strength, a discernment, direction, a word. Lord, I pray that you would bring back true hope where we could hold reality in one hand and hope in the other, that you would bring healing from our past and hope in our future in this moment, Lord, that we would be able to stand up and say, I will no longer live in disgrace. Destruction will no longer have the final word in my life. I'm taking back what the enemy has stolen. I'm rebuilding what has been destroyed 
And Lord, I stand on the word of your resurrection and I enter the season of rebuilding with your strength, Lord. I pray a blessing over these people. And everybody said, in the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause in this moment. Lord, thank you for the season of rebuilding. I believe the Lord is gonna give you the strength that this season is not over. And I wanna pray another prayer. If you're in this moment, you've never given your life to Jesus or this is a moment for you to recommit your life, you can sit down. I just wanna pray for you as well. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're saying, hey, this church experience is kind of new or maybe it's been a long time since I've been here. I haven't been walking with God, but I want to walk with God. I want to repent. I want to receive forgiveness. I want to receive that fresh start and that hope and that life in Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand on the count of three so I can pray for you? One, two, three. Amen, I see your hand, I see your hand. If this is your moment to follow Jesus, would you lift up your hand so I can see it? Nobody's looking around. Amen. And so I'm gonna lead us in a prayer all at the same time that we'll pray as a spiritual family, especially if you raise your hand today. Please pray this out loud with all of us. So let's do this as a community, Kalos Church. Lord Jesus, I need you all at the same time. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause for life change. Well, thank you so much for praying that prayer. It's such an honor to be with you all again. And if you prayed that, please, uh, would you text Jesus to this number so that we can walk with you through this journey, help you get a Bible, help you get connected. And uh, I believe God is gonna do great things through us as a community, amen.